Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Six Rings. The dynasty continues. And football things. The X, the Z, vertical routes. I love football, man. With your host, Andy Hart. Well, Andy Hart is a football genius. I'm not going to pretend I sit down and watch the All-22. Next question, Andy Hart, please. Nick Fitzy Stevens. Is that Fitzy with you this morning? Absolutely not, Fitzy. This just in, I'm dead inside. And Chris Shine. Derek Carr, however, is a guy I would ride tonight. I think Matt Patricia's a boob. Back for another exciting Six Rings podcast where the trio of boys are just bubbling with energy to talk Patriots football. He's Chris Shime Time Shime. I'm Andy Jumbo Hart. That's what it says on my screen right now. And Nick Fitzy Stevens here, ready to talk OTAs. I mean, last time we did an OTA recap, it led to some pretty energetic discussion, I thought. Unfortunately, I don't want to disappoint listeners, but uh, not a whole hell of a lot happened in today's OTA at Gillette Stadium. Andy, Boys. before I even had a chance to connect with you, I saw our pal Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald's tweet, and he basically said, if a sad trombone ran into a wet fart, that's what today's OTAs would have been. Just like hot and sweaty, hungover, Memorial Day slap and tickle, and the only true revelation or takeaway of note was that the idea of Matt Patricia, run game coordinator, Joe Judge, Chris Shimes' hero uh, as he walks planet Earth, passing game coordinator. Aside from that, they were there just so they didn't get fined. Yeah, I actually asked Bill in the pre-practice press conference. It went nowhere, but I asked him about this, the evolution or the idea of a run game coordinator, pass game coordinator, um, he fixated on the fact that I kind of brought up, you see it with a lot of teams, college or pros. Well, you'd have to ask them, Andy. And then I said, oh, so you've, you've never talked to anybody about, oh, you'd have to ask them. Oh, okay, good talk, Bill. Glad, glad we used our time here wisely. Um, but yes, I, I would say my big takeaway is I don't even really care about Joe Judge and Matt Patricia anymore. It's Bill Belichick's offense. Bill Belichick does not move his eyes from the quarterbacks, the receivers, the offensive side of the field. He is telling... Uh, there was a, a I'm going to say, 30-second progression in which he told, I don't know, some jackal receiver, who I don't know and I don't care about at this point, exactly where he wanted his hands catching the football. And then when he left that, he went about 15 yards diagonally and talked to Bailey Zappi exactly how he wanted him throwing the football. So we may all be wa- wasting way too much time and energy worrying about what Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, Nick Cayley and company are going to do. 
I now really feel more strongly than ever that this is absolutely Bill Belichick's offense right now. He is the one pulling the strings, pushing the buttons, and pulling the trigger. Yeah, but so does that bode well for the season, so though? So Patricia and Judge are just basically the lieutenants? Yeah, I... I don't know. It, 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 I don't know what it's going to lead to. I don't know what the evolution is going to be. I'm just telling you, like, it's Bill. Like, Bill is the one overseeing it all. Um, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We still got Matt Patricia talking to the running backs, to the offensive line, to Mac. Like, they were running run plays. There was a run-heavy presence to today's practice. Matt Patricia was involved. And Joe Judge is coaching the quarterbacks and the receivers. Like, they were doing drills, and he's – the guy uses F-bombs like uh, like they're uh or the or like the most common words in the English language. I don't know that he's ever finished a sentence without an F-bomb on the practice field. Um, but it's Bill. Bill is just overseeing the whole damn thing, and I'm not sure Shime takes that as a positive. No, it's just I, I feel like he's just putting too much on his plate. He's just doing so many different things well, that it concerns me. And, you know, I just, I don't know. But are you presuming that? Or is he maybe going to lessen his load defensively? I, even if he lessens his load defensively, he's still dealing with roster moves and GM duties and, uh, you know, helping coach the rest of the game. Because, lo and behold, last year, Cam Accord, not a great special teams coordinator. So Belichick may have to step nope. in and assist there since Joe Judge is assisting the offense. Like, I, I just... I just feel like there's too much on his plate. And now it's not like he's any spring chicken anymore, right? He's doing nothing but getting older at this point. Well, I will say he was moving around really well on the he, – he was covering in the flat. They were running like spring uh, – little uh, dump-off passes in the in the flat. He was covering. Like he was out there. And I, I actually said like 70 years old should – you know, it's 75 degrees out. Should he really be doing this? Like <laughs> – we got a lot riding on this guy's shoulders, as you point out, Shine. Do we really? There's no ball boy that could be out there covering in the flat for these receivers. Yeah. Um, but I would also say you're presuming, and, and rightfully so. I mean, we had Steve Belichick less than two weeks ago tell us he still wears all the hats in the organization, his dad, Bill Belichick. And he didn't really foresee him doing less on the defensive side of the ball or anything like that. But maybe Steve just isn't informed. Like, Bill doesn't always keep people in the loop, even people really close to him. And I just wonder, you know, are we presuming he's doing more? Matt Groh was on the field the whole time talking to Robert Kraft. So maybe Matt, Matt Groh is doing more in personnel. Maybe Steve and Gerard are doing more on defense. And Bill is a little bit more streamlined to run the offense. I mean, Thoughts? I mean, we can hope for that, right? I think that's, I think that's fair. I think that's, at this point, what we should be hoping for, because otherwise Belichick is now basically in charge of the offense. It's his offense. He's also basically in charge of the defense. Uh, and on top of that, he's going to need to assist with special teams and then still f figure out how to configure this roster as the season goes on due to injuries and guys becoming available and guys being unavailable for the Patriots and, and all those things. So, I mean, it's gonna. You're gonna have to hope that he is using his assistance in other way, his other assistance to benefit him and take some of the things off his plate. Because if he's not, if he's doing exactly what he's done, basically for decades now, uh, and really kind of having a heavy influence on the offense and having total omnipotent control of the GM, you know, general managership, 
then I don't, I don't love that he is now also in charge of the offense. Okay, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we are, you know, we're we're going to do it every week, every time we have access. And just a, a quick look ahead, next week is mandatory veteran minicamp, so I'll actually have three days of access at Ooh, Gillette Stadium doggy. to practice as players. So we'll we'll take this analysis from afar to a next level. But I want to talk about some other things. And one of the things, um, you know, obviously next storyline uh, up would be Mac Jones. And I will say as much as I talked about Bill Belichick being hands-on with his receivers and his quarterbacks, Mac Jones, to me, looks like he is significantly more hands-on in his offensive practices. He he did the uh, the usual Tom Brady today where somebody runs a route. No, 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 no. Mac Jones goes over, jogs the route, and tells the guy exactly how he wants it run, which forget about what you think about Mac Jones's talents. Forget about his skill level, where he's – that is the next step to being the quarterback of the New England. Like, yeah, that's excellent communication offense. skills. Like, right. that's this is my exactly offense. We're wants. doing it my way. Like, I don't care how you ran a slant or a hook or a curl, wherever the hell else you've been, college pros. Nope. You're running it for me now, and this is how I want it run. I'll get you the damn ball in the right place if you're in the right place. So I think that's a good sign the way he's if doing that's, it. If that's the case, too, I think that should also be a good sign for guys like Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne who now have a year of experience with Mac Jones. And that leads to the possibility that Kendrick Bourne has a far more successful season as we were hoping that he might because that relationship is already established. He understands what Mac likes and Mac's tendencies and vice versa, which is only going to benefit Bourne in year two. So those will be my two biggest takeaways from the practice field today. Bill Belichick running the offense, doing everything uh, on that side of the ball. And then Mac Jones taking over control of the offense in terms of how he wants routes run. Now, it was definitely a short practice. The, the entirety of it lasted less than an hour. Um, a, a good chunk of it was actually used on uh, conditioning early in practice. Before they did almost anything, they ran sprints, offense on one side, defense on the other side. And then an interesting group, which I, I don't really know what to make of this, so I'll throw it out there for your, uh, your, uh, for you to just kind of sniff it Nibble out. On. Yeah, it was it was Brian Hoyer, it was Matthew Slater, okay, it was Devin McCourty, it was Cody Davis, and it was Nick Folk. Five guys running their own series of sprints. Uh, in between the two practice fields on their own plan. Like even Matthew Slater had a card and I could hear him reading out, oh, we got to do two 20s, four 60s, and two eight. Like, and they were just do. they were on their own plan. They would come down, then walk the end line together around one of the uprights and then walk back to the middle can of the field you, and continue with their sprint. Can you remind me who Cody Davis is? He's a special teamer. Okay. I, I see that. Former too. safety out of Jacksonville. Hey, guys, guess who's back? Hey, Andy, can we just take it again? So sorry I had a digital issue um, on our stream slash pod record. So um, I think I left off at Tom Brady decided to leave the Patriots. Let's discuss. <laughs> Recap. And therefore, titles no longer mattered in Foxborough. And only in Tampa. Into that okay, uh, no, Cody Davis. Hasn't Cody Davis like hasn't Cody Davis long since I've been able to listen to everything you guys said. Excellent pod so far. Terrific. <laughs> Five stars. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> for following Thank you for at in. six rings pod rate review subscribe love it tremendous hugely <laughs> big bigly huge so uh cody davis hasn't he long been believed to be the 
potential successor to Matthew Slater, except now there could be another couple of rooks, udfas, or people that could take that job as well? Um, Maybe. He's a core special teamer. I don't think he's okay. the same type. He's CSP. not. Gotcha. Yeah, he's a core special teamer. I, I don't ever see him being the Larry Izzo, Matthew Slater, like, king of special mm-hmm. teams. This is my group. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I just found it interesting that those guys were on their own conditioning plan, and they didn't seem to be physically limited. Like, they all were mm-hmm. sprinting as hard as they can. Somebody looked to me and goes, this is called the, the last year club. Isn't there? They're in the last year. Yeah, there are a the bunch club. of old guys for the most part. Yeah, maybe. So. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the, last, the last year club. How about, how, how about what's up with doing gassers, basically, if you will, like, and it's 92 degrees outside. Like, is this a early on Bill wants to know if they if they still got it because he's going to put them through it like they have never been put through it before kind of year? Well, he always wants his team to be in good shape. I mean, every coach really does. He does pride himself on that, emphasizes that. They have that whole little hill in the far corner mm-hmm. past Dante's Inferno. The whole I was just going to say one of my all-time favorite stories is uh, – did I ever David tell you Andrews. guys – no, no, actually, I, I was. that's the misdirection. Uh, no, Martellus Bennett, after Super Bowl 51, in the practice week leading up to flying out to Houston for the greatest comeback of all time, he said at one point, it's the middle of the week, and Bill has them running hills, and they're freezing their balls off, and they're just doing hills, and Marty Soros was like, what the F does Bill have us out here doing hills? Only when they got to the second half, and Atlanta was just flat-out cooked. And the Patriots still had their legs under him. Did he figure out? Oh, this is why Bill has us in the shape he has us in because he's ready. Game, maybe for, with a forty-five minute Lady Gaga intermission in the middle. Exactly. And I will say he's taken a new approach. Uh, we mentioned it last week in the recap. Old school gassers are back. Like they're running sprints like a high school football team from end line to end line. Good. And that I sounds also, like the name of a movie Tom Brady is starring in with Rita Moreno right now. Yeah, I could not have Old school quick, a quick side. I could not possibly have less interest in a movie than that one. Yeah. Like none at <laughs> all. We'll never Either that it's it. a, or it's an OnlyFans site. But I'm not really I sure. went to the movie theaters just this past weekend and saw the Bob's Burgers film, which I would see a hundred times before I saw this Tom Brady shenanigan. I thought I thought you were going to say you saw Top Gun Maverick, which I heard is absolutely. I also heard that is electric. So there you go. Yeah, I've heard Movie now mixed plugs. reviews. I started out with everybody telling me it was awesome, couldn't be better, seeing it multiple times. It's come back around now. As Actually, during was a boring OTA session, Maverick was a 10-minute uh, conversation with many of the reporters on the Hill mm-hmm. who had seen it and were giving their various reviews. I will say one thing that's unanimous, it is it is billed as being worth seeing in the theater due to the, the footage, the, the scenes, the technical. Yeah, Someone right. even said, like, I'd like to see it in IMAX. It's it's visually spectacular. Is, is well, the One could describe. almost say that Bill Belichick is, in many ways, the Tom Cruise of the NFL coaching world because he is still bringing a kind of relentless energy and enthusiasm, as Devin McCourty said, like Tom Cruise does. And both of them prohibit drinking uh, on the job and, and in the workplace. And is, is Bill Belichick apt to ride a motorcycle off a cliff into a base jump? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. 
Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And is Bill Belichick? And does, a, Bill Belichick is known to do his own stunts. Yep, exactly. Is he a control freak? Um, well, yeah, he is a control yeah, freak. Yeah, sure is. Uh, Scientologist whack job. I don't know about Might second part. Right? To an alien he underlord really in the middle of the Pacific, religion, you never know. You know who knows? <laughs> yeah, we, we don't ask. It would not shock me in the least if Bill Belichick one day came out and said, "All hail Zeno." <laughs> okay. Um, Let's get into some attendance, and I want to ask Fitzy. Matthew Judon, still not out there. Concerned? Uh, Not in the least, and I don't believe that he thinks he should be paid more. I don't believe that Matthew Judon is nursing something. I don't believe there's any organizational frustration. This is a guy who knows how tired he got at the end of last season by giving it 187% all season long, then getting COVID, and then being toast by the end of the season. This is a guy who I think now has earned the veteran rest, if you will, or wants to just take it easy. And he knows when he needs to show up, probably by June and July, whatever, and then he'll give it his all. There's If there's any one person this offseason, Pats Nation and the Foxborough fandom would tell you is dedicated to his cause and this team, it's Matthew Judon. I mean, the guy, if anything, maybe he earned a couple of days off for all the recruiting that he did and all the work he put in on social media trying to get a new crib of cornerbacks, linebackers, and receivers this offseason, Andy. Well, first of all, he recruited no one because it was unsuccessful. He He attempted to recruit. He tried. Second, I don't want to be Mr. Pessimistic, but I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't run out of gas over the second half of the season if you worked harder in the offseason and were in better shape while all your teammates doing gas. Being negative is my job, Andy. Leave that to me. But I'm actually going to side with Fitzy. I don't see it as an issue either. I think he is – I don't think there's any organizational conflict. Like, I think him and Belichick probably have a pretty good relationship, to be honest with you. And and I think he's just – he was gassed after last season, and he's taking this offseason. He's taking as much time as he can to recoup his body. He is – he isn't – Again, not super young, uh, starting to get a little bit older, uh, and he's mm-hmm. going to need to be prepared for this season. Does he need to do some gassers? Yeah, he sure does. But he has a couple months to do it at this point, right? He's it's, also had five months to rest. Tomorrow is the five. This is year seven for Matthew Judon. And you think Matthew Judon, who's gonna, who's probably still lives outside the area, I'm sure he doesn't live in like Rentham and couldn't be bothered making the drive to Foxborough. Yeah. You think he's going to punt on a little family time, young kids, Memorial Day cookout, et cetera, et cetera, when he has a chance to actually rest his mind, body, and soul? You know, once he gets there, Andy, Matthew Judon, is one of those definitions of 24-7, 365 football guys. Well, and and I, I am so fine. I don't mind him. Well, close enough. All right. It gives you right, a happy right. year. It's just, I just, just work I with don't, the expression. I never God. know when it's important and when it's not important. Like, John o. Smith wasn't here last year. That's part of the reason he sucked. Mm. Tom Brady cared about it, got parking spaces. Then he stopped caring about it. Then he got to Tampa and he started caring about it again. The inconsistencies of the value of the offseason in the NFL – 
absolutely drive me nuts. I, I just well, it's because people are just people, trying to create something out of nothing. To be fair, uh, well, but, see, I think it matters. I, I think I, I actually think these reps matter. I, I think the bonding. I think the building. Yeah, I think for think quarterback cardio. and receivers, I agree with you. I think for Devontae Parker and Mac Jones, this is really quality time. I, I think that matters for a pass rusher like Matthew Judon, who's been doing this for seven, eight years, and and for half of last year was. Are one of the top five in his position. Ding, ding, ding. Half of last year. Yeah, because of a COVID or an injury or something. We don't really know what it was. But I, I don't. So, and so much so, Shime, I agree with you 100%. Like the, and the, you saw these guys actually doing their own little throwing sessions down in Tampa, and they were team bonding, and they were working drills. Like, that matters in terms of building the chemistry and the rhythm. Let me just ask one thing, Andy. Which part of Matthew Judon's game do you think would – improve uh, significantly or even just minutely were he there right now um i don't know if any part of his game i do think his conditioning his fit like i think you work harder you work better in a group setting even if he's working on his own i'm a i'm a firm believer in group workouts team workouts pushing each other like that kind of holding each other accountable so i think there is value uh -huh. to that i would also say there's some value in terms of I think he can be a better pass rusher. I think he cannot spend as much time behind the quarterback as he did last year. I think he can right. be less of a one-trick pony. I think he had a lot of one-game sack, uh, one-sack games. I think he could be a more consistent pass rusher. I go to the Anthony Pleasant school of you can always improve your footwork, your hand placement, your hand fighting, your counter moves. Like I think there's a million little things you can work on in the offseason that are not huge. You'll never know when they're going to – help you when they're going to make you a better player but i think they come into that real quick before we wrap up this first segment here uh, i'm going to throw two other names out there isaiah win still not out there trent brown now also not out there so your left tackle was one yadney kajust i don't like that that's oh. yadney terrible i, I have don't three, like i have that. three words for you andy not great bob <laughs> not great bob not great, not great. So yeah, no, that's a that is a worst a worst case scenario to me is Yadni Kajus oh. and Justin Haran as your tackles, that's and disgusting. this is why the tackle situation was of primary concern. Following, I'd say even a greater concern than the linebacking situation. So much so that the Patriots didn't even address it in the draft or really in free agency. I was kind of shocked uh, to they be made honest. The one trade of Winovich for Mac Wilson. Yeah, I was I was kind of shocked they didn't add to the you. To, to that point, they didn't add in the draft like earlier to that tackle depth. Uh, to, just to add right. to that, I've been a believer that maybe our boy Stuber could be a, like a sleeper. Yeah. I know. Well, he'd have to be out there for him to be oh, a sleeper Jesus. too because he wasn't out there today. So oh, tackle right. is the mess. Not great. And that's not feeling good. So that's, uh, that's the main uh, information that I would pull from OTAs, some of the attendance issues, um, Mac Jones stepping up leadership-wise with his receivers, and Bill Belichick overseeing all that is the Patriots' offense. This is another action-packed, fitzy-filled, shime-driven Six Rings Pod at Six Rings Pod on Twitter. Interact with us if you'd please. If you want to email us, if you're the old fashioned kind, and email now I think is kind of old fashioned. Snail mail, no, we don't have an address. And if you send mail, we will burn it. We will not open it. We'll be fearful of it. So you can email us sixringspod at gmail.com. Fitzy? I would be excited personally if I received anthrax or ricin in the mail, but at, you know. 
I'd be, be careful what you wish for. Don't they say that? All right. Great. It's been fun working with you guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> Moving on to our second segment here of the Six Rings pod on the final day of May, Patriots OTA day. One thing everybody looks at in OTAs is the offensive skill position players because they're in shorts, they're in T-shirts. You can kind of see them most closely replicating their actual job. Cole Strange, no pads, can't block anybody, so I'm not going to assess Cole Strange. Looking at the Patriots' offensive weapons, and we got a little bit more of a view of the youngster today, Tyquan Thornton, who actually spoke with the media afterwards. I still haven't seen him unleash the 4240 speed yet. I'm still looking for that day. But he is joining um, an interesting position group at receiver, and I would say overall skill position players that are uh, mm -hmm. dubious, debatable, complementary, can I deeper than top heavy? Can I reiterate three words? Not great, Bob. Okay, so you're being a little <laughs> negative here. So our friends I mean, over the theme to today's pod. Not great, Bob. Yeah, yeah it seems to be. Might be the title. And I would the, the listeners may actually agree yeah. with the theme to today's it might be that podcast. Negative. Uh, so shine. I got, you, I got my work cut out for me this season. I really do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Being positive. Yes. Yeah. You suck yes. at it so far. <laughs> you absolutely suck at it. Uh, it's impossible to do so. It's like, it's like walking in. Like every time I enter into our stream yard, it's like just being under an irradiated blanket. Like I just get tired and a little bit like it's hard. I'm, I'm constantly driving in to a hailstorm of doubt negativity scrutiny a maelstrom uh, of depression everything yeah well, yes a, a a veritable maelstrom of disagreement and depression it's different everyone oh no the offensive play calling situation is a disaster i don't like the fact that this guy isn't here yet bill belichick is doing too much i don't believe the team should even take the field this fall i mean why don't we just fold tent right now Enjoy the Celtics run, and then all pick a different team this fall. Shime, who's your alternate team you're going to be rooting for this fall? Since obviously we're just punting on the Pats. Uh, I will be rooting for the uh, Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. I got the They're, Raiders, right? So because you like the, because West, you nice. like their offensive positional grouping. Yeah, I do. Patriots, uh, Pats West out with Vegas Raiders, of course. Yeah, and you know what? Hey, Andy, to segue back into what we're talking about this segment, you know what? Denver has a really interesting, potentially dynamic offensive positional group if we're going to get into the tier rankings there may be few better than the tim patrick Cortland sutton jerry judy kj hamler uh dynamite quad that russell wilson will be thrown to this year so as fitzy alluded to uh what we're talking about is the 33rd team which is a, a consortium of ex nfl types uh this article in particular was written by mike tannenbaum former gm of the jets and the dolphins he works in the espn he went now too right yeah, he's uh, talking. He's kind. Of, he's kind of all over the place. He's got yeah. some. He's got some of these sneaky side pursuits as well. I think. Sounds like you. Uh, wait, what? Um, so the tiering of the best offensive weapon groups in the NFL, according to Mike Tannenbaum, tier one: Cincinnati Bengals, Las Vegas Raiders, Miami Dolphins. Interestingly, eh. I would say there is two of them were kind of built this off season with the Devonte Adams addition mm -hmm. to the Raiders and the Tyreek Hill addition to the Dolphins. Right. So that's his top tier. Tier two, Vikings, Shimes, Broncos, the Saints, which I find somewhat interesting. We'll see what Michael Thomas is. Mm. The Philadelphia Eagles, added to extensively mm -hmm. yeah. by A.J. Brown. The Buffalo Bills, who the Patriots see firsthand rather often. The Panthers, the 49ers, the Buccaneers, Ooh. and the Rams. I don't like this list. Okay, we'll keep listening. I'm going to hard pass on the Panthers already. 
I think the Panthers are sneaky good. They but have we some can get good back weapons, to that. but they just now don't have a quarterback still. But continue, Andy. Sorry. Yeah, well, this we, is just, we didn't see. No, 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 yeah, this, no, no, this isn't okay. quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is just weapons. Tier three. Keep waiting, by the way. We haven't mentioned a certain team nope. that we may or may not sure be haven't. podcasting about twice a week for the rest of our lives. Uh, tier three. Oh, the Jaguars? Detroit Lions, Dallas Cowboys, L.A. Chargers, Seattle Seahawks, Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Tier four, but wait, there's oh, more. Oh, but how the mighty have fallen with the Cowboys. The tier four is the Cardinals, the Commanders, the Browns, and the Packers. Tier five, tier five. Sooner or later, we're going to run out of teams. There's only 32 NFL teams, right? And I feel like the Patriots have not been named mm-hmm. yet. Tier five, the New York Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But wait, there's more. Tier six. The Indianapolis Colts. Stop it. The Tennessee Titans. Still no Patriots? We got to hope for Tier 7. Come on, Tier 7. This, Come on, Lucky 7. Baltimore Ravens, Houston Texans, Atlanta Falcons, your New England Patriots, the Chicago Bears, and the New York football I, Giants. I need to call a hard and fast timeout because there, there's one glaring issue with this list. Uh, the Patriots, in no it way, sucks. shape, or form, should be on the same tier as the Chicago Bears. There is nothing in Chicago. That's they should be in a disgusting. black hole all their own. That is that is an insult to the New England Patriots offense. Okay, so you got that up. Wow, your that came from Chris Scheim, yeah. by the way. I just want to point out, everybody, even Scheim stepped up to the plate and said, Malarkey, I shan't stand for this baloney. This list it stinks, by the way. Hogwash. These tiers they are have awful. Va- they have Darnell Moon and Valus Jones Jr. Who's like that's, a 25-year-old rookie, by the way. Cole Komet. Oh, my God. <laughs> James O'Shaughnessy. Even he Ugh. doesn't know who he is. Um, I, I can't I, believe the slights and the slander for the Patriots' offensive weaponry, if you will. Oh, I cannot wait for the victory lap this fall. Well, oh. I actually found something more interesting than where they rank because I think that's debatable. We've actually talked about it. I think the criticism of the Patriots' weapons has reached – such a level that they're now grossly underrated. I think they have a lot of pretty good players to good players. The thing I found interesting is so each team, the there's a blurb with a list of their weapons, as you might expect right. in these tiering process. Mm-hmm. And the New England Patriots list does not include Nelson Aguilar, which I think is funny. Like, that's how far he's fallen, that Nelson Aguilar is not included. Their list of Patriots is Damian Harris, mm-hmm. Ramondre Stevenson, mm-hmm. Devontae Parker, mm-hmm. Jacoby Myers, mm-hmm. Kendrick Bourne, mm-hmm. Hunter Henry, and Jonu Smith. And I'm not and saying that gets them ranked like 30th in the NFL. Yeah, That's I, ridiculous. They, I, there is no shot that they should be that much, if at all, any lower than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are in the fifth tier. Like, they're basically the exact same set of, uh, of uh, weapons, and the Patriots oh might be oh. better. They have James Robinson, Travis Etienne, who has yet to even play a down of professional football, LaVisca Chenault, and Christian Kirk, who the is most grossly overpaid, overpaid wide receiver and in Marvin history. Marvin Jones, who's who makes, mediocre at best. Uh, and Marvin Jones, who's older than Andrew. Andy. Oh, boy, uh, an unsuccessful uh, draft pick out of New, out oh, of New no. York. Just telling you. How, no, will, how, will, uh, how will any of the defensive coordinators but this like, fall get any sleep game planning for Evan Engler? You look at this list, and it's like, I'd rather have both of the Patriots running backs I'd rather have Kendrick Bourne than Chenault or Jones. Can we see what he is like? I think he's going to be good, but, yeah, he, hasn't but like, a, he hasn't seen a down of football yeah, yet. Yeah, and uh, Damian Harris was a, what, 900-yard back last year? 
Like with 14 yeah. touchdowns and Ramondre Stevenson is one of the guys is, is someone a lot of people think may actually surpass Damian Harris because of his flexibility, catching the ball, his excellent moves and his power running. I, I just, this is, they should, the Patriots should be in the fifth tier. Yes. I, I completely agree. Tier, I think that that bump them up a couple yep. of tiers. I, I think yeah, right in that five tier zone is the perfect. The, the fact that like, the second I heard that Dallas who did have to part ways with Amari, Amari Cooper. Cooper for their fa- uh, this past off, Tony Pollard, even still the ghost of Ezekiel Elliott in his he's new still helmet, good. Get, you know, can still get you a dozen touchdowns every year. He's still good. He's not and as great as he was Lamb, four years a ago. First round pick two oh my years God. ago. And Dalton Schultz, and they lost Cedric Wilson. But this then to give Miami top tier status. Ugh. Now I'm I'm Butt now I'm throwing my laptop at you, angry. This is stupid. This is dumb. This is I am with you, Fitzy. This is ridiculous. Okay, let's. Okay, this so is, this is a pile sorry, of trash. This, this got into I us yelling are, at Mike Tannenbaum. Andy, sorry. you just finished reading this list. I looked at it, and there are raccoons sifting through it. Uh, I know. And you guys, garbage. it's funny. When a guy like Tannenbaum says the Patriots have the best running back room in football, everybody goes, yeah, yeah, they're underrated. It's mm-hmm. when, when he serves you up information you don't like, you get all too. defensive. You get all defensive. But anyway, we laughed stinks. at that, too. Uh, I think Tannenbaum stinks because he okay, proved cool. he didn't know football over the course of his career, in my opinion. Yeah, no like, kidding. That, that's what I would but fall also, back on. Also, a side note that has nothing to do with the, the Patriots. The Jets and the Dolphins were like. The Steelers being in the fifth tier is very dumb. They have great weapons. But anyways, go ahead. So let's have an offshoot question here because two of the players listed in their little uh, run write-up write of stars, Damian Harris or Andre Stevenson. Yes. Somebody... On the Patriots uh, practice field today, I won't say who, but just, you know, discussions happen on the Hill, said, hey, would you be stunned if Damian Harris got traded? I think and I said, stunned? See? No. I said, do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. And they said, you know, he could go down the Sony Michelle road. To me, there's one distinct difference between Sony Michelle and Damian Harris. Forget about whether you, who you think's better, skills, any of that, but Sony Michelle was a he wasn't here first of all at this point last year. He was skipping OTAs in the offseason program. He thought he, he was, was pouting about than he not was. getting his fifth year option picked up. Yeah, yeah. Right. He was a jackal. I think he was a a minor thorn in Belichick's side throughout the his entire time here. I think he rubbed Bill wrong the entire time from his merchandise that he was pimping on social media, Fitzy, you know something about that, to skipping work events and things, Fitzy, you know something about that, uh, to the various annoyances that he brought to the table. Ken Laird just these actually are, texted just me and said, preach side. on, brother. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These are just broadside Yikes. innuendo and sl- slanderous accusations. I like this, this podcast should be called Libel, Nonsense, and the Occasional Patriots Chatter. <laughs> Well, uh, Sony, Sony, Michelle wasn't great. No, but he was fine. If you take, but I will say this, if you take 2021 Damian Harris, when he was on the field and you put that running back on the 2018 or 2019 Patriots, we're just sort of what ifing here. That's what we do in yeah, podcast talk radio and in argumentative situations. I think the, he, the running game would have been even better. I think Damian Harris just as a prime straight up the field. He's not a multi-cut guy. He's a one cut and run type. He's strong. Got a great first step. 
Uh, pretty good hands on the ball, except for against Miami in the first game of the year. Uh, I, I, he would thrive in a lot of situations, and the Patriots would only be willing to move on from him if they anticipated they could get something good in return or they knew for a fact that they were going to replace him with either Pierre Strong or, or Kevin Harris. Or their season like, is kind I, of I, done for, right? Like, he's in the final year we, of his rookie contract, correct? Yeah, that's except I'm, this was more like, could it even happen in, like, August? Could you find yes. out yes. Strong? Yes, it could. And more importantly, I think Harris is the guy because I think Harris is the true, as I told you guys last week, dude's got massive quads. I think he is the power every down type back that would be replacing a Damian Harris and you'd be putting him in a committee with Ramondre Stevenson, who I also think is key here. Yeah, I do Like you'd have to have a lot of faith in Stevenson to become the guy and then you'd have to have a lot of faith in Harris to become the other guy with him. I don't think it'll happen. I, I just um, – I'm throwing it out there because it, it kind of piqued my interest when the person said it. At sure. Practice. And I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy. I think it's been speculated upon already because of the fact that they drafted those two running backs, which surprised a lot of people, turned a couple of heads in the process. And I asked this, we, given the fact that we all expect the Patriots to run the ball and run the ball a lot, they're going to run it a lot this season – knowing how running backs get injured and how disposable running backs are in the modern NFL, let alone in a Bill Belichick, in a Bill Belichick system. What do the Patriots gain by dealing Harris before said rookie contract expires? And what would you expect in return? You're not going to get someone who's going to all of a sudden make Mike Tannenbaum say, stop the presses, put the Patriots up in the fourth tier. Well, so in Belichick's mind, happen. so he got Damian Harris for a third round pick, correct? So in Belichick's yeah. mind, if he deals him for a second round pick, that's positive. That's net positive net gain for him. It would be a. That, I don't think I, he I don't, would get anything more than a fourth rounder. Yeah, for him. exactly. Yeah, I, and that, so I, mean, I think he's a solid back. I don't know what the market is, and we've talked about this before. Sometimes NFL trades are puzzling. Like you see a guy go for something, and you're like, "Wow, that's all he got," or another guy gets way more than you expected. So you know, beauty being in the eye of the beholder. Also, I would say, you never know what the other team, their situation, if you know, some team loses their running back to a torn ACL on August the 7th and you are a week into camp and you're like, holy crap, Kevin Harris can play. Stevenson looks year two jump terrific. Then you say, well, you know, we, we got Damian Harris here for you. You look like you're in a bit of a bind. And I do think Shime's right. I think anything, a third round pick, because the third round pick would be potentially higher, but also come quicker than any compensatory pick if you just lose him as a flat out free agent afterwards so it's worth just sort of noting put a pin in it we can always return to the discussion maybe in august depending on how all those running backs are playing out i did want to just mention we did a little quick attendance in the first segment here uh james white was not on the practice field today we talked last week that i thought it was good to see him out there just moving around a little bit he was not out there i don't make a big deal about that at all um i just wanted to point out as we're talking running backs that your uh, your veteran pass catcher was not out there. He went out last week, knocked a little rust off. Like, hey, this is what it feels like to put pads on again. This is what my helmet feels like. Cool. All right, coach. Now I'm going to go back to taking care of my hips and trying to get ready for September because I am nowhere near ready for full contact football in the National Football League. And Bill might have also said, hey, by the way, James, we're going to do 17 minutes of gassers today, a quick walkthrough on some run plays, and then we're out of here. Don't really see the need for you to be out here today. Work out a little bit and go home and enjoy the day kind of thing. Um, so, that, Hey, if I just, can real quick, can I ask you real quick, if you think just by chance, let's put it out there so just in case it happens so we ether. could always go back to this audio. 
Uh, let's just it's out there. Two to three teams Damian Harris could get dealt to. Oh, put me on the spot here. I haven't really thought about well, this. That's how it works sometimes. Yeah, I don't care for it. Uh, you San think Francisco. Like a team that could, that... Okay. The Elijah Mitchell injury. They're making yeah, a playoff right. run. You're not. Um, I don't think it would be. Didn't Sony Michelle leave team. the Rams? Back to the back to the Rams to pair up with Cam Akers. Maybe. Um, I could also see like if if Arizona wanted him. Or, yeah. Uh, I I, that's a team like that. that came to my mind too, Shime. How about how about Philadelphia? They got Miles Sanders. Yeah, Atlanta. Man. Philadelphia. What's Atlanta got? Cordero Patterson, I guess. But yeah, they have a wide receiver yeah, playing they don't running even, back. Yeah, they they could use. They don't even have Mike Davis. Yeah, Atlanta. They could definitely. That's right. That's a good one. That's Let a good me throw one, Atlanta in the mix. Um. But yeah, so Damian Harris, we'll see. We'll revisit that down the road, and we'll also revisit where the Patriots position group ranks because Shime and Fitzy got their panties in a bunch that they're a tier seven group of weapons. Yeah, screw you, Mike Tannenbaum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hey, you know what? I'm going to throw a flaming bag of poop on Mike Tannenbaum's doorstep. He called the poop poop. Uh, That's another exciting segment where I didn't expect that to go the way it did, but that's the way these uh, Six Rings podcasts work. And if you want to chime in about the positional rankings or Damian Harris trade ideas or tell us we're morons, that's why everybody hates the media. You're trying to trade my favorite player. He's the heart of the offense. They're going to run the ball. And Damian Harris is going to have 1,500 yards this year. Well, then shoot us an email at sixringspod at gmail.com to tell Shime he's an idiot. And our third segment here on the Six Rings pod today, we are going to get into the, what do you like to call it, Fitzy? I like to call it the Pats Uh, This is a, yes, you you made a portmanteau out of it. And I, king of all portmanteaus, who has never met a hybrid word uh, or a dad joke that I didn't like, actually didn't really like that one. So we just kept it at Pats (laughs) Pulpery. This is our little news nuggets, notebook, grab bag segment, Andy, where we get the rest of everything else that's been on our mind or on the mind of the Patriots mad fan uh, storylines like the one that came out of Albert Breer's Monday morning quarterback. Uh, it's, it wasn't really a blog and it wasn't even really an article. I, I would call it a tome. It was about 10,000 words last week, but we learned that little thing that you, I believe had supposed one day on the radio, perhaps with me on WEI a few months back that maybe Nick Cayley had been blocked from interviewing with the Raiders because the Patriots didn't want him going anywhere. Turns out it was confirmed by Breer. Uh, I just blogged that whole thing for EEI.com. The question then becomes why, Andy, especially if he is stuck in the offensive quagmire uh, behind Patricia and Judge and isn't going to get a chance to call plays, even Dante Scarnecchia said he would have made a logical succession to Josh McDaniels as offensive coordinator. Why did they block him from going anywhere, and what's his role going to be going forward now? Well, the second part, I don't know. I, you know, at the time, I wanted to believe they would keep him because they thought he was the chosen one. That's why Mick Lombardi's gone. The other guy, like, boom, Nick Cayley is Josh McDaniels 2.0. He is going to ascend to a voice in the – I just haven't seen that come to fruition at this early point in OTAs, and that concerns me. He looks like the tight ends coach. He doesn't look like a guy who has taken a bigger role, a larger voice on the field. And it's quite possible at the time – I'll throw this out there. He's under contract. And also Bill says, I have no idea what my offensive staff's going to look like. I like this guy. He's a good tight ends coach. Maybe he can be like, 
just the unknown of the time period might have been, mm -hmm. nope, you, I'm sorry, you're not going anywhere. I, I, I might need you here. And now maybe he's also decided, you know what, the, this idea of me, Joe, and Matt is better than Nick. And, and I know Breer kind of alluded to it wouldn't rule out Nick Cayley moving on after this year, for example. Right. Like, that's still a possibility. Um, he, he has made it quite clear he wants to ascend the coaching ranks. He wants to be a coordinator and, and probably beyond that. He's still young. He's still in his developmental stages. Um, but I would say maybe just the flat-out time period. This winter, Bill was so unsure about his staff that he wanted to at least keep one of the young, developing guys around for another year. Yeah. Uh, do you think Josh, though, real quick, do you think Josh wanted to hire him as OC? And then when Bill said no, he just took Lombardi because Lombardi's yes. 14 years younger than Nick Cayley. Yes, I do. think. Uh, well, but Lombardi has a, a good resume. He's bounced around. He's seen things from a San Francisco, a New York, a New England perspective, offensive rooms like he's built some experiences that I think could be valuable to him. But if you just asked me. Just pure opinion, speculation, observation. Who would Josh more likely have wanted? I think Nick Cayley would be the would be the answer to that question. And is that only because he worked with Nick Cayley closer, or because Nick Cayley has more aptitude? Um, I think a lot of re I mean, Nick Cayley can be very impressive. Let me just say that. Like you talk to Nick Cayley, he he carries himself well. He comes across well. Josh did have a longer period of time with him for. Uh, five years as an assistant as a tight ends coach, but I think a couple of years as just a lower level assistant. Like, so there's, there's some good time invested between Nick Cayley and Josh McDaniels. So I would not rule him out moving on. Now that would be another interesting storyline for us to talk about down the road. Uh, certainly is that idea. Speaking of coaching staffs, the, the flip side of that, I found interesting mm -hmm. when, um, Raquan McMillan was talking recently about the the defensive staff because somebody was like, you know, there's a lot going on on offense, but you guys kind of have your group here, like they're back and that whole thing. And he talked about the respect they have for Gerard Mayo because he played the game and like the energy he brings. He's clearly can tell you a lot about how to play the linebacker position, defense, all of those things. And then he said, Steve Belichick, I mean, the last name says it all or something. And it's like, is that really how you want to, promote the guy like he has the right last name like that was the first thing you thought about as to why you respect Steve Belichick now he went on he continued I don't want to pretend that's all he said he went on and said he's the cerebral guy who kind of sits in the background and always has an interesting angle or input he tells you something he clearly knows the defense but I thought the way he phrased it the first time actually played into those that believe nepotism is a problem in New England. Nepotism is a problem in football. You know, that guy, last name says it all. Yeah, it kind of does. I'm not sure whether you meant that to be a compliment or not, and I'm not sure whether it is a compliment. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you know, you talk about like great American actors and uh, entertainers. You think Tom Hanks. Meanwhile, his son, Chet Hanks, is maybe one of the biggest screw ups in oh, America. So you don't have to necessarily just he's uh, he's such a such a turd. What an absolute <laughs> absolutely dink. massive. Absolutely turd. Just the the the, the pit. An absolutely uh, just an awful, <laughs> I hate him. awful way. It's just a blah. He's a blithe. Uh, but like Steve Belichick, you know, OK, so there's the whole like legacy of like the Belichick name, but. I think Steve Belichick gets way too much heat in town for the nepotism angle. And what leads me back to it is, okay, well, let's see, grandfather, 
football coach. And that's where Bill learns everything from, basically. Right. And then Bill studies football. Bill plays. It's not like Bill was some amazing football player himself. What did he play like H back or tight end or safety at Wesleyan or something like oh, no, that? He's an offensive better lineman. A lineman. OK, so he's an offensive lineman. It's where he gets his positional fundamental understanding. But he has studied the game basically from zero to today. And Steve Belichick basically grew up at practice on the sideline in the coach's box and now on the field with a clipboard, short shorts, nylon jacket, and a whistle, kind of the same way his grandfather and his dad did. So can't he possibly actually have a decent football mind and not just be someone who's been dragged to the mall like an eight-year-old, like, Ma, I don't want to do this. Stop. Like, like, can't he actually enjoy football and be developing into a decent coach himself? Yeah, the nepotism has never really bothered me. I continue to say, in every other walk of life, it's accepted and almost appreciated when the plumber arrives and it says, like, Sullivan and Son Plumbing in business since 1912. Mm -hmm. You're like, awesome. This guy grew up a plumber. Like, he has seen every evolution of plumbing. You take it as a good thing. Now in football, we're supposed to yeah, say, this no, guy's seen a lot of shit. Right. Jesus, he's got to swear tag every again. show. Every show, but, he's got to swear. And I know, Andy, and I know you don't like him necessarily, but like Kyle Shanahan is an example of that too. Like, did he yep. did he start yes. with his dad in the NFL? No. His dad probably helped him get the job, though. And then he became an offensive coordinator for his father later, but he turned out to be a pretty good coach. Like, it's not and it's all everywhere. things considered. Yeah, it's like, all across yeah, And how the about Wade, Phil Wade Phillips? You see the Steelers this like, week. At Kevin Colbert retires. Come on. They promote who to assistant general manager? Dan Colbert. Oh, that last name sounds familiar. Oh, that's because it's his dad who's the outgoing GM. Like, I'm sorry. Sometimes you just have to accept the world for the way it works. And it works in all businesses. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Rich, powerful men get their kids internships and work their way up the ladder. I mean, mm -hmm. hell, Jonathan Kraft, we accept it there. Like, why is football coaching the one place where we're supposed to be like, <gasps> or politics? Oh, no. Oh, wait, politics. If you look at all the presidents that share the same gosh dang last name, it works in all aspects of the world. It is, I guess you don't have to like it, but you certainly have to accept that it's just part of the world we live in. Yeah, exactly. And if Steve Belichick, for those who have speculated that he might not want to be there or maybe he doesn't love football as much. How do you know that? And why would they why would they think that? Like he doesn't ha his family's got enough money, I would imagine that he's not for want of a couple extra shekels. He's there because he wants to be. So for right. anyone who thinks like, oh, no, the safeties or the defensive backs or the defense overall is being coordinated and called by someone who doesn't want to be there. Like, no, he's lit literally sounds like just because he looks like he's a roadie for Kings of Leon doesn't mean that he doesn't know and love football. He literally sounds like he was pulled from Belichick's rib. Like he was, he even said like he's been studying audio tapes of his dad. It's to yeah. start the, the, the off season here. He even said in this press conference, they're like, Oh, so who's going to call plays or, or who's the defensive coordinator? He's like, I don't really care. I just want to coach football. I think right. I, like, and I think he means that. I, I think he actually does yeah. want to coach football. And no one has a better insight into what it means for a family to be a football family. He grew up in it. If if it ruined his life and he hated it, now I guess you could psychoanalyze this in a few directions, but if he if he thought it was the worst possible career path, family path, wouldn't he go in a different direction? He'd probably wouldn't try and he... get out. Right. Go be and a lacrosse now, coach. Right. 
some some pocket psychologist might say, well, the only way he can get his dad's true love and appreciation oh. is if, if he coaches football oh, or something. And that's the only way he can be close to him. Ah, oh, there we go. There's the second one. Now we get that explicit tag. Hey, before we wrap up, guys, uh, even though I know it's a football podcast and there's a million different little small Patriots related topics we can talk about from receivers to cornerbacks, sound bites from OTAs, et cetera, et cetera. We have another one to record this week. By the time the second edition of Six Rings and Football Things comes out this week, which will be dropping in everyone's pod feed and or stream Friday. Game one of the NBA finals will already have been played and will be well into potentially the next championship run for Boston, the city of champions, a.k.a. in Town. So I thought maybe we should all just go on the record and give a prediction here for the Six Rings audience, how we see, because I'm sure everyone that's listening is also going to be watching. This is going to be a hell of a series. It's very exciting. What do you got? Celtics in four. <laughs> My man. All right, Andy. What? I I have uh, I have Celtics in six. Uh, were they handing out Were they handing out Were they handing out whippets at OTAs today? What's wrong with being positive? I I'm trying it. to bring some positivity to this podcast because Fitzy sure as hell doesn't. Celtics in four. I got they have I got defensive player of the year. They have the rising star in Jason Tatum. They have the badass coach who grows on me more and I more by him. the day, uh, by the week, by the minute. Oh my they, god. They match up well with the Warriors. They've played them well in mm -hmm. recent years. Why should I do anything but be a super fan like Fitzy for the Celtics here and now? The Celtics in four. Or, 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 or. I love it. I'm into you it. You bleed green, Andy. I love. Lo we love to hear it. No, they do match up well with them. Uh, Ime Odoka could run for office right now anywhere in the region of New England, and he could win that political position. The man is absolutely on fire. There's nothing any sports fan of the region that's been healed in Belichickian speak wanted to hear more than post game saying, this is the Boston Celtics organization. We don't celebrate Eastern conference championships. Oh. I was like, that's my coach. <laughs> I love you. I love you so much. Yeah. Also, you brought me along into the family. Oh, I love hell you so yes. much. Oh, it's and, a win in so and, many oh, ways. So, so great. I got Celtics in seven. It's an all time series. And much like Kyrie and LeBron in game seven out in dub nation on the West coast, the Celtics get it done because it's the road warriors versus the Golden State Warriors. And I think they'll take it in seven. It's going to be an all-time series. And this meeting of the Al Horford Appreciation Society, who I just absolutely love, that moment of him crying on the court at the end of Game 7 in Miami was a total vibe. But this meeting has been adjourned. Wait, did Shai make his pick? Yeah, I said Celtics in six. Celtics in six, Celtics in seven, and me, yeah. the most optimistic person. Celtics right. in four. You were too busy doing your shitty rock impersonation. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. We don't swear on this Yikes. podcast, you jackal. We're going to have to kick Fitzy off before we get banned Holy to the explicit smokes. lists of the uh, podcast world. Either that or just embrace it and go all in and just go flat out hardcore and say every dirty Do word it. in the book. You know my motto, steer into it, kid. <laughs> okay. That's Fitzy. That's Shime. I'm Andy Hart. This has been another scintillating, random Celtics-filled edition of the Six Rings podcast. <laughs> Do they have a pod? Maybe we could do a podcast for them. We'll call it the uh, 18 banners because, you know, I got them winning in four. You got them in six and seven. They're all winning. So six rings pod could give birth to 18 banners. We'll be back later in the week to talk a little bit more about OTAs. I have some leftover thoughts, including some great quotes about food out of Foxborough. And we will also be talking about, I guess, the Celtics series and the way Bill Belichick is supporting it because he did actually start his press conference today talking Celtics. So we finished there. He started there. And that's going to put a wrap on another six, pink, six rings pod.
Yes, and don't worry, everybody. I'll be steering the ship in the next episode, so it'll stay on course. Good night. It's been fun. See ya. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Never, never, ever.